This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Call 0345 6060 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. It's four minutes after 12. Kit Kat, check. Coke, check. Pile of papers to make boss think I'm working, check. It's Mystery Hour without Mr James O'B, says David. Favourite hour of my time all week, says Heather. Cuppa, biscuits, feet up, at Mr James O'B and hashtag Mystery Hour. The time is upon us. What questions have you got? This is your weekly opportunity to get an answer to any question under the sun, as long as it actually will have an answer that other people will find interesting. Those are really the only rules of engagement. I'll explain a little further in a moment. If you know how it works and you're fairly confident that your question is neither dull nor repetitious, call me now on 0345 6060 973. If you've already tried to get through and, and been politely invited to move along, don't ring again. I know how ungrateful that can sound, but you've got no idea how hard they work in the air. It's the only hour of the week where they work harder than I do. On the other side of the glass, they are absolutely slaving during this hour, and there are a few things that clog up the process more than people ringing back to complain about the fact that the question they've already tried to get on the board has been deemed surplus to requirements. We're looking for your whos, your whens, your wheres, your whys, your whats, your whences, and even your withers. Although, as someone pointed out to me, in a taxi the other day, a driver, taxi driver pointed out to me, he's never heard anyone ask a wither on Mystery Hour. <laughs> it's a fairly good point, but hey, I, I quite like the phrase. I like the way it trips off the tongue. So you know what I'm talking about. There'll be something in the back of your brain, something the kids have asked you, something you've seen or heard, and just gone to yourself, why do we do that? Where does that come from? Who's responsible for this? What's the origin of that? Why, where, where, when that happens, why does that happen? If it's boring... Don't ring. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. And if you are something that we can remember dealing with relatively recently, then we will reserve the right to um to move on. But other than that, pretty much anything goes. The other side of the coin, of course, is simply that if you hear somebody else ask a question to which you do know the answer, give me a ring on oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three and um Tell me what that answer is. I, I will inquire after your qualifications and uh, convince myself or confirm that you have actually provided us with a definitive answer. And if you are a judge to have got it correct, you'll receive the finest accolade that British radio, nay, international radio has to offer. That accolade, of course, being a mystery hour round of applause. Six minutes after 12, should we crack on? I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? Can't think of anything. Have I missed anything out? I don't think so. Dylan is in Islington. Dylan, what is your question? Hello. Uh, I wondered why human beings have different blood types. Are we sort of, uh, is there an evolutionary reason to it? Or are we all sort of evolving towards not having different blood types in the future? Or, uh, you know, that was it. Is it. Do you think it's inconvenient? How do you mean? Oh, if it's inconvenient to have different. Are you asking the question because you can't see, it, well, it doesn't yeah. seem to make I, sense. I exactly, yeah. I, I, to me, it would make sense for us to all have the same blood type. That would sort of make, you know... Uh, Obviously, transfusions weren't quite in the mind of, uh, of evolution back no, then. No, I was going to say, I don't think transfusions have impacted upon the evolutionary process just no. yet, but I suppose they might in the future. But, but it would, would it not just come from different... I don't know why I'm trying to answer it. I haven't got a clue. But it would just come from different source. Sure. Different, <laughs> I, different I, I strands know. of humanity. I mean, once you move beyond the original seed, the original beginning, then different... Because Richard O'Brien, I don't know if you... Did you hear Richard O'Brien on the show on Tuesday? I didn't know. What? Where were you? I haven't had a letter of you or your mum. 
can't believe you made But he revealed he's had his DNA tested. He's 3% Neanderthal. So it probably has something, something to do with that kind of journey back to our, our origins, doesn't it? In that case, perhaps the question should be, are we evolving to a place in which we won't all have different we won't, blood types? We won't need different blood types. I, 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 I'll start with the original question. Why do human beings have different blood types? We haven't heard from Professor Hal for a couple of weeks, have we? I think he tried and failed to get through. Did he get on last week? Professor Hal is the professor of the public understanding of science at the University of Brighton and in many ways the patron saint of Mystery Hour, by far the uh, uh, recipient of the most rounds of applause. 0345 is the number you need if you can answer Dylan's question. Where, why, indeed, do we have different blood types? Uh, Tom is in Uxbridge. Question or answer, Tom? Uh, hi, James. It's a question. Carry on, mate. Uh, I'd like to know where the phrase cut the mustard comes from. It doesn't cut the mustard, meaning... But if you say if something doesn't cut the mustard, it doesn't quite make the grade, does it? It's not good enough. Make the grade. So it, why, why would cutting the mustard be a phrase to mean make yeah. the grade? Cut the mustard. Cut the mustard. Yeah, I like that. I can't believe we've never done that one before. I know. It's a cracker. Where does the phrase cut the Thank mustard? Cut? So it must have something to do with strength, mustn't it? The strength of the mustard. If you cut them. Yeah. I haven't got the faintest idea. No, obviously. That's why you've rung in, and nor have I. At least you're being honest about it, and I'm pretending that I might be able to dredge an answer out of my memory banks when clearly I'm failing miserably to do so. Tom, thank you very much indeed. Nine minutes after 12 is the time. Why do we have different blood types? And where does the phrase cut the mustard come from? If you are the... Um, if you're quite new to this, then... I should tell you, we only do one at a time on the origins of phrases, because oddly, the way Mystery Hour has evolved to knit together those two questions, origins of phrases tend to be the most popular type of question that gets asked. So we only do one at a time. So don't ring in with me an origins... Don't ring me now with an origins of phrases question. 03456060973 is the number you need otherwise. Phil's in Hampton. Phil, question or answer? It's a question. I've been saving this for you all week. I've not even looked on the internet because I wanted to call for the Ooh, first you're, time. You're not allowed week. to look on the... I should have mentioned that. Exactly. Th thanks, Phil. Oh. No, you're banned. You're not allowed to... This is a celebration of education, illumination, and something elseation. Carry on, Phil. So I, I was on a plane last week, and mm. I was in the loo, and I noticed that they had an ashtray on the inside of the door. And it was an ashtray. You know, it, it, it had a picture of a cigarette to put your ash in. And I, I thought, why on earth? If smoking is banned on planes, and it was a new plane, do they put ashtrays in the doors? And I noticed on the other side of the door, on the outside as well, there was an ashtray there as well. And the cabin crew had absolutely no idea. Are we sure smoking's been banned on all planes everywhere? Well, this was on a low-budget British... No, uh, I know, but in terms of what uh, the manufacturer's spe spe specifications would, would provide, they may as well build it with, and then... You don't have to use it if smoking's not allowed, but if you're running a plane where it is allowed and you haven't got an ashtray, you've got a much bigger problem. I'd imagine so, but then again, I mean, if you think about it... you mean imagine it, um, so? I've, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going definitive on this. Well, the only airlines that you can imagine probably allow smoking will be in countries, I don't know, South America, Far East Asia, and the airplane makers, uh, uh, American and European, where smoking is banned. So you're more likely to have... Yeah, but they uh, sell them all around the world. Yeah, but they're not going to put ashtrays on their doors for, like, three airlines across the world while the rest of them don't have smoking, allow smoking, do they? Will they? Well, I would, because it's a lot easier to stick it in and not use it than it would be to add it afterwards for the companies that do want it. Maybe. Uh, I, I, I'm already hearing chatter on this, actually. I think there is a, pro <laughs> no, I think there is a proper answer to this that, that I've just missed by a mile. We'll wait and see, shall well, we? I look forward to it. Look forward no, to it. No, I said me too, Phil. How was your debut? Did you enjoy it? Did it live up to expectations? 
you know what? I've um, I was out last night at a function, and I only woke up an hour ago. That's why my voice sounds like a phone pest. Fantastic. It was quite a heavy night. Fantastic. Good use of the word function as well. I haven't had anyone employ it in that fashion since 1978. <laughs> it's 12:11. You're listening to James and Phil. We're both at functions last night. I came second in the pub quiz. Do you know why I came second in the pub quiz? Because I persuaded my teammates to change one of our answers to the wrong answer from the right answer, and we lost by one point. So I'm really sorry about that, guys. I, I apologies if any of you are listening. In fact, I know you're not, because you know what happened? One of my pub quiz partners said, because yesterday we tried to inject some sort of postmodern humour into the conversation about Volkswagen, and, uh, and, and, and my fear was that with all motoring-related phone-ins, the... Uh, dullness would take over and one of my pub quiz partners said last night oh, i listened to the first 10 minutes of your show yesterday but you were right there was no way you were ever going to get any interesting calls about the volkswagen story so i turned you off after 10 minutes so thanks a bunch anyway i got jude law mixed up with harry styles which is not a mistake you'd want to make in any context other than a pub quiz it was a mystery photo just like the top half of the eyes i thought the eyebrows were far too bushy for jude law so i made them change it to harry styles and we got it wrong and lost by one point oh the shame kim's in orpington kim question or answer Hi, James. Hello. Uh, question. Carry on. Um, why does eating a grapefruit make your nose run? It doesn't make my nose run. It does my wife. She's Do- eating a lot of grapefruits at the moment. And well, why is, she eating, so, why is she eating so many grapefruits? Is she all right? She, she just enjoys it. She likes a grapefruit. and it makes. Yeah. Un- Do any other foods yeah. make her nose run at all? No, they don't, no. Are you sure? Absolutely. Well, what, about a navel, what about a blood orange, a navel orange? Because they look a bit like grapefruits. I don't know. No. I don't know. But and how badly time, does it run? Um, it's not streaming, but it's it's certainly uh, running enough uh, to, uh, to merit this question. Yeah. Have so, you have you run it by anyone else? Any friends or acquaintances, family no, members? No, I haven't. No. So I you're not asking done. why does a grapefruit make your nose run, or why does a grapefruit make noses run? You're asking at this at this point in time, Kim. Until we can corroborate your anecdotal evidence with supporters, you're asking why eating grapefruit makes your wife's nose run. I am. I am. I That's a bit were, niche. You were the man. You were the man to ask. It's a bit niche, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. There must be an answer. There must well, be only if it's a common animals. practice. If it's if it's if it's unique to your wife, we probably have to undertake some form of physical examination before we could provide you with a definitive answer. But if it's a common practice, then yes, we will do our best to get you the solution to your mystery. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three is the number that we need. Why do human beings have different blood types? What is the origin of the phrase? cut the mustard why are there still ashtrays in aeroplane toilets and why does grapefruit make kim's wife nose kim's wife's nose run god apostrophes are hard enough when you're speaking let alone when you're writing them down time now 12 15 this is lbc 19 minutes after 12 is the time you're listening to james o'brien on lbc four mysteries need solving blood types why do humans have different blood types origins of the phrase cut the mustard why do they still have ashtrays on planes and why does kim's wife's nose run when she eats a grapefruit i'm kind of hoping obviously that that is a an experience familiar to people other than just kim's wife otherwise it's going to be very niche jez is in bagshot jez question or answer it's a question, James. Yep. Um, math. Not the most exciting thing, maybe, but we'll give it a go. Um, why? Because I, I remember from school, you get taught your times tables. And, yeah. You know, what, two times tables, three times tables, four times tables. Well, nine sevens. Why do they... Oh, I don't know. Uh, 63. Well done. Um, <laughs> Carry on. Um, why do we do the 11 and 12 times tables? Because everything else we do with numbers is decimal. So we work in a decimal system up to 10, so there's... Tens, hundreds, thousands how ma- of units. How many, how many numbers on your clock? Twelve. Oh, yeah. 
like that. But no, you don't necessarily add it, Stop now. Stop, stop, stop digging. Stop, twice, stop like digging. Here. Stop digging. Yeah. I don't know. No, really? stop. Yeah. Put your spade away. Okay, it's away. I'm better at answering these and asking them clearly. Well, that's easy for you to say. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. Jamie's in Enfield. Jamie, question or answer? Hi, James. Um, I've got an answer for the ashtrays in the aeroplanes question. Right, I'm going to start again and you're going to sound more confident, all right? I'm nervous. No, don't be. You've got to sound, if you're coming on with an answer, mate, you've got to really push it, okay? Let's do it again. Jamie all is right. in Enfield. Jamie, question or answer, mate? Uh, James, I've got an answer for the ashtrays in the aeroplane question. S- sounding very confident there, Jamie. Bring it on. Um, it's basically health and safety. They've got a legal requirement to put the ashtray in the toilets because although smoking is banned on aeroplanes, they still need a safe um, place for somebody who is potentially smoking to put the cigarette out safely. Because even though they've banned it, some people will still do it. Yeah, you've still got the people who go and have a cheeky cigarette during an aeroplane flight, so um, they do need a safe way for them to... Because you, what you don't want on, on, a, on a what is effectively a flying fuel tank of highly combustible liquid is someone trying to get rid of a burning cigarette without anybody else noticing. Yeah, and smokers are notorious for having a cheeky cigarette. Uh, they are. Scott, Bal- Scott Balcony has suggested that it's there in case the plane, the pilot announces that he's lost control of the aircraft, in which circumstances you are actually allowed to have a crafty fag during your last few minutes <laughs> alive. But I think, you're, you, what are your qualifications, Jamie? Um, I read an article in the Daily Mail a few weeks ago, and they had this question on there. That, I mean, it qualifies, and, and it's earned you an answer, but that is the first time anyone has ever used reading the Daily Mail as a qualification know, being able to... It's a, terrible <laughs> a terrible qualification, but I read all the newspapers, so, so, I, so I, I. I get a uh, no, the, the Mail is a brilliant newspaper. Some of, the, some of the party lines and opinions it expresses are pretty repellent, but you can say that about every newspaper under the sun. In terms of the journalistic operation, the Mail is the best paper in the country. Jamie, round of applause. Thank you very much, Dave. There you go. How's your confidence now, mate, Mr Nervous? Oh, brilliant. Get brilliant. in! High five! I've got to stop high-fiving people on the radio. I'm 43 years old. It's 22 minutes after 12. Tom's in Epsom. Tom, question or answer? Question, please, James. Yes. Okay. Something we take for granted all the time. Light. Why is it, if light has no mass, that mass can bend light? Why is that? Osmosis. No, not osmosis, that's a chemical reaction, isn't it? Yeah, but the the like the, the electrification combined with osmosis. No, no, you actually physically can bend light like round planets in space, space time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Can bend space light. time, gravity. Isn't it? What? Gravity, Who? mass. When? Can bend light. Can it? Yes. And why shouldn't it be able to? Because it doesn't have any mass, it shouldn't be bendable. Because we're told, if you look at, if you research it, there's no mass. Yeah. So then it should have not any effect on it at all, but it has. Why? Why, why should it have no effect on it at all? If it's got it no, has mass? no mass. Well, why can't it's you bend? No mass. But it's light. Yes, it's li- exactly. So if light has no mass, it should not be affected. Well, I, no, I disagree. I, I, I don't have any problem with that at all. Seems perfectly reasonable to me for light to get bent by mass. What? It's not my... No idea what you're talking about, Tom. I haven't got the first idea what you're banging (laughs) on about. you've got your professor. That's why I phoned. You do have your professor, haven't you? Yeah, but he's on the line for something else. Wait there. Tom, Tom, don't go... Well, hang on a minute. Uh, Professor Hal's on the other line, actually. If you build it, they will come. Here he is. But you've already rung in to answer something else, Hal. I have, about blood. Yeah. Do you know Uh, why... 
light and mass and bending and stuff, what Tom said. I actually tuned out a minute, mate, so um, I don't... Tom, you see, I knew you were being boring. Even the professor tuned out there, mate. I thought it was my fault there. I thought I was sort of losing the will till it... Even the professor tuned out on that question. Are you sure it's as good as you think it is? Because if you look into it, though, James, it opens up a big... Are you sure this question is as interesting as you think it is? Oh, it is. It's right, I'm just going to I'm just going to canvas a little bit of professional academic opinion about that. <laughs> Hal, yes. If light has no mass, why does mass bend light? On a scale of one to ten, how interesting is that question? I actually find it moderately interesting, but that's because it's all about space time. So what? So six, um, six and a half? On my on my yeah on my ruler. Yeah. And how interesting is the blood question that you've actually rung in to answer? That is very interesting, actually, because that's very relevant to everyday life. So, so that's an eight or a nine? Yeah. Tom? Yeah, but if we didn't have light, James, we wouldn't be able to see where we're going, would we? So it's yeah. going to be very relevant. Yeah, but if we didn't have blood, we wouldn't even be anywhere or anything or anyone. <laughs> see the light in the first Exactly. Place. So we're going back to the blood. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom. I'll put the question on the board, but Professor Hal is not going to answer it. I wonder who could possibly be on the other line. Oh! Well, I never. It's Professor Hal. Professor Hal Sosobowski, the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton and the unofficial patron saint of Mystery Hour. Hal, question or answer? Um, I'd like to have a go at the blood one, if I may. Yes, carry on. OK, I think the answer is that there's no particular evolutionary benefit, and you may as well ask why we have green eyes and blue eyes and brown eyes. Um, blood, there's about 35 different blood type, type, typing systems. We know the ABO one. So you've got blood group A, blood group, blood group B, blood group AB and blood group O. And the reason you can't mix them in any proportion is that they cause clumping because some of them don't recognise the others. But if I had to guess about which one was most evolutionary relevant, it would be AB. Because A, someone who's got AB blood is a universal recipient. They can receive blood from anyone. Someone who's blood group O is a universal donor. So yes. if blood group AB and there's a shortage of blood types, you are most likely to be saved, whereas the blood group O is not. Yes. What's the answer again? Why, why do we have different types? There is no... There is no... It's the same reason we have different types of eyes, because we do. So the, it's like what you say to the children when you can't answer their question, it just is. No, no, I never say it to the children. No, I do, though. It just is. Why is that? It just is. There isn't actually an answer, it just is. Yes. Why do cats have different coloured fur? Why do we have different coloured hair? It just is. But, if, like you wisely said, mm. that um, mm. blood transfusions haven't... Yeah, this is quite a good point, I thought, actually. Well, thank you. Huh? Blood transfusions haven't really contributed to evolutionary development yet. Yes. But if they did, ah. the person who would... The, the type that would benefit most is blood group AB, because they can take blood from anyone, whereas blood group O... Bingo. Yeah, so, so, and, and so, so we'd all end up AB at some point millions of years hence, because those would have been the people who'd have procreated the most because they wouldn't have died through blood-related conditions because they would have been the ones most likely to get a successful transfusion. Yeah, in a shortage of blood. And um, it's only 4% of the population, but in about 5 billion years, let's have another, another look. Round of applause for Professor Hal! <clears throat> Mate, before you go, are you sure that mass light question wasn't better than six and a half? No, it's, 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 it's quite, it's quite sort of curious and, in, and intuitive when you start thinking about it, because I, um, I agree with him. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, you have gravitational lensing, which causes light to bend round stars, and that's how you sort of do all sorts of measurements and work out how far things are away from Earth. But yeah. um, I don't know if the, your average punter would be that. Oh, you're not going to get very far as a professor of the public understanding of science if you start dissing the average punter. 
Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit too niche. You should have heard the one about Kim's wife and grapefruits. Uh, Josie is in Erith. Josie, what would you like to say? Question or answer? Hello, it's a question, James. Carry on, Josie. The, the common kitchen foil we use for cooking. The aluminium foil. Yes. And one side is really shiny and the other side is really dull. And why is that? And which side should we use for? Well, you're, you're only allowed one question. I, I know, I'm cheating. You can only have one. Which one do you want? Do you want to know which side you should use or why we've got two different sides? Why we've got two different sides. Do you, do you have a favourite side? Do you prefer the shiny or the dull side? Yes. Which? I prefer the shiny side. You prefer the shiny side? And I think that's the outside. <laughs> you think that's the what side? The outside. You think So you think you should wrap it with the shiny side out? Yes. So you've answered your own questions? No, I haven't. But yeah. why is one side shiny and the other side isn't? Why? Yeah, all right. Why have we got one side shiny? One side shiny? And the other side, and the other side. What have you done to me, Josie? <laughs> <laughs> We've got one side. We've got one. Si- shiny. What? One side is shiny, and the other one is dull. One side is shut. Su- <laughs> 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 it's coming up to half past twelve. Why is one side of an aluminium foil shiny? And it's, pardon me, and the other side not. And because Josie's so delightful, I also want to find out whether or not you should wrap your meat or your fish with the shiny side out or the shiny side in, or does it actually not make the blind a bit of difference? Unless, of course, you're using a microwave, in which case you've got bigger problems. Uh, time now, half twelve. Ellen and Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Mystery Hour is underway. We've done the blood sites question. We still want to know where the phrase cut the mustard comes from. We know why there are ashtrays on planes, even though you're not allowed to smoke. We don't know why Kim's wife knows Kim's wife's nose runs. <laughs> I must put my teeth in and do it all again. Start again, I think, this mystery hour. Uh, when she eats a grapefruit. And um, if light doesn't have any mass, how can mass bend light? If you can answer that, I'll give you the money myself. Also, Josie wants to know why her aluminium foil is shiny on one side and dull on the other. Phil's in Birmingham. Phil, question or answer? Uh, well, it's an answer. Bring it on. Uh, it's light. It's what? God, it's amazing, isn't it? We're talking about space-age technology. We can't get a clean phone line into the studio. I'll come back to you in a minute, Phil. Maybe go up a stepladder or something. Diana is in Blackheath. Diana, question or answer? Oh, it's, a, it's an answer. Marvellous. And I'm so glad. I, I, can I just say I think you're marvellous? Yes. I, you, you, how many I, times I would you like to say... How many times would you like to say it? Oh, um, a million times. Honestly, no, really, you're very, very sharp. You don't let people get away with things. And, and you're a good laugh. Well, that's incredibly so kind of you, Diana. I can't... I, I mean, that's possibly the most <laughs> insightful and intelligent <laughs> contribution to the programme that we've had in years. <laughs> now, darling, I've, um, it's, it's, it's the mustard thing. Mm. Um, the thing about cutting the mustard is... Because um, you have to cut it to, to different size, um, 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 you know, to, to, to different sizes. So they're very fine, there's coarse ground, there's medium ground. Now, before we had um, you know, machinery, yes. people had to do that by hand with extremely sharp knives. And they would really have to know what they were doing because it was a very valuable thing. Um, and, um, and, 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 so, and so to cut the mustard, uh, that's where it comes from. So that you, you know what you're doing. Are you sure? Oh, well, no, I'm not sure. And oh. I, 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 I'm sure. Well, I'm I sure. just... I, 
Go on. I, I don't, well, because I'm going to ask what your qualifications are now, and, and I don't... I, I, life. Yes, I thought you were going to say, but I, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how certain are you that this is true? I don't know for fact. No, but on a scale of one to ten, Di... It could be true. It could be true. It could be true. And, and, and we've spoken. Yes. And that's, that's marvellous for me, and I'm going to give myself a round of applause for that. Well, I, no, I'm going to give you a round of applause for the for the brilliance of your of your compliments. <laughs> there we go. That's just for saying lovely things about me in such a charming and persuasive fashion. But I don't know that, that you can say it's because it's quite hard to actually cut mustard. I mean, mustard seeds are incredibly small and, and sort of hard to cut, aren't they? Well, of course they are, and they just had to, they had to do it by knife. Or, you know, right, well, they would have had to do it by knife. Well, no, couldn't they just have ground it, like they do flour? It could have with, 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 with pestle and mortar, but, but you'd have to know what you're doing to exactly... The right side. I, I'm, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another round you of applause. You don't someone messing about. You couldn't have someone messing about with the mustard. You don't want anyone messing about with your mustard. <laughs> they had to really know what they were doing to cut the mustard. I'm giving you another round of applause for being correct. Look at that. There you go. No, thank you, darling. 12.37 is the time. I have a new favourite caller. Phil is... Uh, back to Phil. Let's see if the phone line's any better. Back to the light. Why can light... If light doesn't have any mass, how can it get bent by mass or something? Phil. Well, because it's got something other than mass. Yeah. Um, it has momentum. It has movement. Of course it, it travels does. as a beam. Yeah. So if you if you interrupt the beam, it'll go around it, so, or be distorted by it. So, so so space is bent. That's why light is bent. Well, I don't know. That's Brian Cox's job. That lot. I, I, I you know, I, I, the thing is, I listen to Brian Cox on the Infinite Monkey Cage when you're not on. Yeah, it's a good and, show. Then. Um, you know, and I, I sort of pick these sort of, and I, I have a mind that is absolutely fascinated by physics. And how I ended up as a tanker driver and not a scientist, I have no idea. It's early days, Phil. Well, I try, I do my best, but I remember that is the answer. The, that was on the Infinite Monkey Cage, oh, ages ago. So it's photons. It's yeah, photons, and he said the movement. Photons, photons have movement, and you can interrupt the movement of something, but they don't actually. Apparently, a photon is like a little ball of. I don't know, energy, I, I don't know. But there must be ever so little. I don't, can you imagine how many there must be? No. No. Don't even think about it. You'll get ahead. All right. I won't. Have, has he done anything worthy of a round of applause? Does anybody else know? I haven't got a clue. Excuse me? Yes, I have. I've got a double uh, off. No, no, I meant, I didn't mean in your life, Phil. I meant now, in the last five minutes. Oh. And to, to be honest, I wasn't really asking you. No. Has he done anything? Has he kind of... I was with the professor on this one. I think it's getting less interesting the more we try and answer it. Does he get a round of applause for this? Not hearing anything coming, Phil. Mate. No, I'm oh. no. Oh, well. Corey's in Middlesex. Question or answer, Corey? It's a question, James. Yes. Um, your previous caller was right, by the way. You are the man. Yeah, I agree, right. but the, she's, she's, she's had the round of applause <laughs> now, mate, and all the, all the special <laughs> treatment, so you save it for the judge. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, my question is, um, regarding, like, Royal Mail and things like that, yeah. uh, why do they never deliver on the one day we're all home? Two reasons. 
two reasons. Yeah. I mean, historically, no one worked on the Sabbath. It was a sort of day of religious observation. And number number two, I'm surprised you haven't worked this out, or despite your tender years. You don't have to be in for your letterbox to work. No, but I mean, we're, I'm always getting like cards <laughs> <and> <laughs> saying, sorry, <laughs> sorry, we missed you, and things like that. That's <laughs> Yeah, but that's different. I mean, that's, that's that's a very recent development that they've started delivering parcels and that sort of thing and trying to put them through your letterbox and leaving them in your bin the reason why they don't work on sundays is historical it'll probably change now it's been privatized eventually but but no one worked on sundays back in the day when i were a lad and royal mail was no different and also you know the massive massive majority of what they deliver doesn't need a human being to receive it it only needs a letterbox um okay yeah great um round of applause for me round of applause for me thank you Corey. luke's in christchurch question or answer luke um, answer, uh, re-clarification, I think. Which which one? Which question? Uh, light. Bending. Oh, Lord. Really? I'm afraid so. Go on, then. Do you want my qualification first? Yes, yeah, so that might be a good idea, actually. Uh, PhD in theoretical physics, plus work in physics after that. Get, get in. It, Come on, then. Einstein's uh, general... Uh, now, hang on, before you tell... Have you got an HGV licence? No. No, all right. I just don't want Phil to feel bad, just because you've got all these qualifications that are actually relevant no, to answering I the question. I have a driving licence, but I couldn't drive one of those big things. No, there you go. See, Phil, everyone, horses for courses, mate. Don't beat yourself up. Right, over to Luke, the astrophysicist. What have you got? Theoretical right, physics. So, basically, uh, Einstein, the, the photon stuff was with the special theory of relativity, right? Yeah. But then Einstein did the general theory of relativity, and basically... Space and time are in four dimensions. So we think in three dimensions, if you're putting a cupboard up or something. Yeah. But in fact, right, yeah. the equations are wrapped into four dimensions, and space is bent by gravity. So uh, the more there is gravity, space is actually bent. So light thinks it's going in a straight line, but in fact it's going through a curved space because space is actually bent by gravity. Yes. And uh, and uh, this is this comes out uh, as solutions um, uh, to the equations of uh, general uh, relativity as put down by Einstein. E equals mc squared. No, no. Oh, osmosis, osmosis, osmosis. <laughs> Meniscus. It's space is bent. It's like a plastic substance which is bent by gravity. So if you think you're going in a straight line... Oh, it's easy to understand. So you shine in light into line. something bent, and, and it, it, it's not going to go in a straight line. Well, it depends where you're looking at it. Yeah. This is um, br- I actually can see the answer somehow in my mind's eye. Yeah, I, I can post the equations for you, if you want. But, uh, that is the answer. Space is bent. So if you think you're going in a straight line around heavy gra- uh, gravity, you're actually going in a curved path uh, to a different observer. Of course you are. Do we need the equations, or, or can we just leave it at spaces bent? I quite like that. I line. think we, we might need five years to uh, get those equations across you. <laughs> Let's just leave it at spaces bent, then. Beautifully right, played. You. Is that your thank first... You is that, is that, is, okay. Hang on, no, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Is that, oh, your, okay. is that your first go? Uh, it's my first round of applause. Uh, this is my uh, favourite part of the week. 
Mine too. Mystery hour. <laughs> no, mate, you're a star. I've got a feeling we might need to call upon your services again, although probably not for the question that remains on the board about grapefruits. Uh, Ian is in air. Ian, question or answer? Oh, an answer, of course. Bring it on, Ian. Right, grapefruit. <laughs> What's happening is that that lady is showing an allergic response similar to hay fever. So the grapefruit, when she bites into it, the chemicals hit the back of her nose and underneath her eyes. And like hay fever, the cells that are in there release a chemical called histamine that makes her nose run. How do you know it's like hay fever and not just like chopping onions? Similar effect. It's an allergic response. Is that why onions make our eyes water as well? Yeah. So it's a mild allergy. I don't want her to worry about being allergic. But the, but the reason why your eyes water when you eat a grapefruit is the same reason that your eyes water when you're chopping onions. It's a, it's a chemical... Yeah, it's like hay fever. Oh, that's what it is. Qualifications? I used to sell the leading brand of antihistamines for hay fever and other allergies. So have you come across a grapefruit-related allergy before? Um, once in a chem shop. You liar. No, seriously. <laughs> I, when I walked into once. a chemist shop... You walked into a chemist shop and someone was complaining about being allergic to grapefruit. Yeah. Sounds like a joke without a punchline, this, Ian. Oh, the best joke was uh, in the wee shop down Newton Stewart. And before we got the medication for skin, because you also use antihistamines when you get the allergic response to midgets. Midgets? Yeah, when when a midget bites you. Oh, midges. Uh, yeah. I thought you said midgets. I thought we were getting a bit oh, politically midgets. incorrect there. Oh, midgets as well. No. Uh, so, hang on. What, so, <laughs> when, when you bumped into the person who was allergic to grapefruits, did you tell them to try an antihistamine? Yeah. And it worked? Of course it worked. So, there you go. 12.45. It's a brilliant story, that, that Beverly will be discussing with you after one o'clock, including the uh, injection of Mancunian wit that it prompted, this... Uh, fellow who, who sort of wanted to go back to Iran because he'd lived in Manchester for 10 years and found it so miserable. A lot of the Mancunians responded by saying things like, 10 years here, should get a medal. It's 10 minutes to one. Rob is in Western Supermare to continue Mystery Hour. Question or answer, Rob? Question, James. Bring it on, mate. It's concerning people that wear glasses all the time. Yes. Now, if you hold glasses over a piece of paper when it's sunny... Yes. ...it eventually burn the paper. Yes. So... Why is it that people wear glasses all the time that sit around a swimming pool? We notice this when we're on holiday. We've just come back. Yeah, where'd you go? Glasses all the time. Do you, what do you mean you went away? You live in Western Supermare. Why, why do you have to go away for a holiday? Uh, well, you can see you get used to the grime and stuff and the miserable weather here, so you have to go away every now and then. Not really selling it, mate, but fair enough. Uh, so, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> well, why is it that when they're sitting around the swimming pool with the glasses on all day, their eyes don't burst into flames and explode everywhere? They do sometimes. I've seen it myself. Uh, <laughs> but come on, mate. You can work this one out, can't you? No. Have, all right. Have you ever tried to burn something using a magnifying glass or a, or a spectacle lens? Well, yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, and talk me through what happened. Well, you hold the magnifying glass or the glass in front of the paper and you hold it with the sun and the sun will eventually... And it's quite difficult to line it all up and get it dead right, right? Well, that's correct in two yeah. times, yes. And w- if I shine a really bright light in your eye now, what happens? I'll close my eyes and push my face away. Yeah. 
So what happens is when you're wearing the glasses, when you actually find yourself aligning unintentionally on precisely the axis where it would actually focus in enough to provide that kind of pinpoint of heat, your, your eye won't let you do it. You're going you're to blink, turn away and move. Yeah, but still it would burn the skin. No, it, w- no, it wouldn't. If they're lying there all day in the sun round the pool... No, it's not going to let me go on this, are you, Rob? And they're lying there and they close their eyes because the sun's a bit too bright. Surely yeah. it would still burn their eyelids and they're all bursting into flames. Right, I, you've got to get over this obsession with eyeballs bursting into flames, Rob. Well, you've got to overact it a bit, haven't you? No, Jerry? no, no, Rob. This is a perfectly good question without bringing in uh, the apocalyptic option of exploding eyeballs. All right, I'll leave the apocalypse. The answer to your question is that theoretically you can. I've seen it done. You can burn skin with a with a, with a lens or a glass, but you'd move if you felt yourself getting hot. That's right, but some of these people don't. They obviously must be drunk. No, they're not getting the angles right. They're not getting the focus of light onto the skin in a way that would actually burn the skin. They're just not. It's not happening. Well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to... You can't... Of, uh, this is outrageous behaviour, Robert. It's, I know, it's disgusting. I must be in trouble with you, because you, you just call me Robert. And, well, exactly. I, I, so, to pr- proof positive that you're in trouble. You can't, well, uh, the you answer know, is correct. It's you, a question for someone to get out there and answer it properly. I've answered it properly. I don't think you have. Well, it, once you've eliminated the impossible, whatever you are left with, however improbable, must be the truth. Oh, I don't know about that, James. What's your qualifications? Right, wait there then, clever clogs. Malcolm's in Hampton. Malcolm, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. Bring it on, Malcolm. Uh, right, OK, regarding the focal length of um, sort of trying to burn your Right, wait there. OK, wait there. Just a minute, Malcolm. Rob? Yes. Yeah, he's going to have phrases like focal length in his answer, so stick that what in your pipe and smoke. And just you get back in your box. It's Malcolm's turn now. Carry on, Malcolm, with your focal lengths. Right, OK. Uh, James, it's about, uh, basically, with glasses, you have uh, people with um, short sights and long sights, so you've got convex uh, lenses, and you also have conve- concave lenses. Yes. But even the convex lenses, the focal length of those, uh, it's just, uh, it, it, they're just not strong enough to uh, focus the rays of uh, sun anyway. And plus the fact, um, you'd need a relatively thick pe- heavily convex lens because the focal length would be probably about four to five inches um, and the the glasses, the the convex uh, element of uh, glasses are just nowhere near that. So Um, if you, I mean, you could theoretically with the bottle, you know, glasses like the bottom of a bottle, uh, they they might just about fulfil the same criteria as a magnifying glass, but but simply put, your spectacle lenses do not have anything like the strength that a magnifying glass has and strength informs focal length. Absolutely, yes. So, So there's no way that you could be sitting in front of the sun or under the sun, and uh, that they would burn your eyes out. Otherwise, we'd have uh, half the population would be walking around with no, no, no eyes. Which I, I begin. I don't know about you, but I almost sense that's kind of what Rob wanted. He wants to see eyeballs exploding. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. What, what, what qualifications are? And I remember all this from uh, physics at school, which was a long, long time ago, about sixty-two years ago. And you're going to say you don't sound a day over forty. Yeah, I, I, you don't sound a day over forty, Malcolm. Rob, there you go, mate. How was that for you? Well, I'll have to accept that. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you very much, Malcolm. 12.55 is the time. That's so unfair on the producer. I deal with two people immediately, and the phone, there's only two phone lines into the studio. Actually, there's ten phone lines into the studio, but I can only speak to two people at the same time. Andy's in... Oh, hang on. I believe the caller after this is going to accuse me of having made a mistake. That should be fun. Let's start with Andy in Mill Hill. Andy, question or answer? It's an answer, Squire. It's like a Monty Python episode today, Bring. isn't it's, it? It's had its moments. It's had, it's had its moments, but that's a good thing. That's why people love it. Carry on. 
It's the aluminium foil question. Yes. So, uh, what they start with, they start the great big block of aluminium, yes. and they start rolling it. They put it through like a big press, like a mangle. To get it like. thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. Exactly. Yeah. So, an ever-decreasing or thin, uh, thinning of, yes. uh, of that sheet. It gets to a certain point where the rollers wouldn't be thin enough, or, or the gap between the rollers wouldn't be thin enough to get it to where it needs to be. So, what they do is they use two different rolls of aluminium foil at a point where it's like almost double the, the thickness, yeah. roll them together like a sandwich yeah. through the last press. So what you, what, what, it, what you get is a dull layer and a shiny layer. Why do you get a dull layer, though? Well, the dull layer is the one where it's up against the other sheet of aluminium. So they go through in a double, if that makes sense. Oh, and then they separate them afterwards? And they separate them again afterwards. So it comes in... Off if there's no grease-proof... There's nothing grease-proof no, applied to either surface. Nothing at all. Qualifications? I watched it on the TV. What programme was that on? It was like, um, how do they make it or how do they do it? How do they do like that? that? Yeah, I think it was Ian Lee or something. Was, was yeah. What, the Ian Lee? My friend Ian Lee? Yeah, he, he does all that, yeah. Well, he's normally he listening. I'm surprised he hasn't... I'm surprised he hasn't... Tweeted me I'm or something. Lee. He, he does one of them, but it was one of these shows anyway, where they actually went to the factory and, and how they made So does it, it make any difference in terms of Josie's cooking? Because she prefers the shiny side. Should that be touching the meat or should that be on the outside of the meat? I, I couldn't go that far, mate. I'm a limb. No. All I know is what I saw. Yeah. All right, round of applause for Andy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, oh hang on. Michael's in acting. Michael, back to the shiny side. Yeah, hello, James. Oh. James, the shiny side is to reflect the heat. And the uh, non-shiny side doesn't reflect the heat as much. If you want something to go brown, you put the shiny side, you put the meat on nah, the side. Nah, rubbish, side. mate. No, it is Nah, not. cobblers. <laughs> you just made this up. I mean, it's mission accomplished. You got on the wireless, but I've never heard so much hogwash in my life. It's a flipping oven. You're going to be reflecting heat. It's in the, it's in the oven. The heat reflects more. Uh, qualifications? My mum was a chef and she told me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, bless her. She was wrong. Jerry's in Stratham. Jerry, question or answer? It's an answer, James. I think you've nicked a round of applause you weren't entitled to. Do me a flavour. Oh, never mind. The 12 times table. What yeah. have we learned? Um, maybe you don't know because you're perhaps a bit too young. No, 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 no. Right, right. Before, before you embarrass me or yourself, the bloke said, why do we learn up to 12 when everything is measured up to 10? And I gave him one everything. example. Hang on a minute. I, 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 just let me speak. I gave him one example of things that go higher than 10, i.e. a clock, but I could have carried on and given him lots of others, like, for example, pre-decimal currency and the number of inches in a foot. Right, well, it's the pre-decimal currency, that's what I was going to tell you. But what I would say... No, 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 you wouldn't. Are you coming on here telling me I've made mistakes when I've done nothing of the sort? Wayne's in Basildon. Now, Wayne, you tried to get on last week to answer a question about what the origin of spick and span is, and we ran out of time, didn't we? And you ran out of time again. You got it. That's it from me for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow from 10. The next voice you'll hear belongs to Beverly Turner.